I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And welcome to the Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Rachel Forsyth, senior reporter at Hort Week, and on this week's podcast, I am joined by Peter Corbett. Welcome, Peter, and thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. So, Peter, you became executive officer for of the Immunity Forum at the beginning of this year, and we'll kind of delve into exactly what the Immunity Forum is and what you've been up to there in a bit. But first, I'm really interested to hear a bit more about. What kind of led you into your current role? What were you doing before? Okay. Uh, well, basically, I'm a frustrated farmer, if uh, if the reality is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Daddy wasn't rich enough to buy me the sort of farm that would give me the living that I was looking for. So <laughs> I always wanted mine to buy me a horse, so there you go. <laughs> oh, well, we did have the horses, so I'm afraid, uh, yeah. Oh. Ponies were part of the game, and so were playing with tractors, but obviously... Nowadays, that's a bit, uh, have to be a bit careful on that one. Um, yeah, so really, it was a matter of, uh, I was enjoyed the, the growing things. Um, so I uh, became really an environmental scientist uh, as basic training and felt that the way to actually create sustainable agriculture going forward was to actually do it from the inside uh, outside rather than from the outside inside. Okay. So that was really the, the, the view. Um, so... I became, I suppose you could say, an expert, but heavily involved in crop protection mm-hmm. uh, within the arable sector. And then throughout my career, moved both through manufacturers uh, into the distribution side of the business, uh, and then ultimately uh, into the acquisition of companies with a company called Origin. And hence, uh, when we purchased Rigby Taylor, I got involved in the amenity sector mm. as well as previous history in the agricultural sector. Fantastic. And in your current role now, what have you really been sinking your teeth into over the past few months? Well, I suppose the the real big difference between where I've been in the past to now is from a technical perspective, uh, it's uh, 
it's quite interesting how little people understand uh, about crop protection products, uh, mm. how they work, when to use them, uh, because whether it be in the amenity sector or the ag sector, it's uh, the, the actual biology uh, isn't different. Uh, I suppose the biggest uh, difference for me is that I've generally been on the commercial side mm. uh, and technical side, whereas now obviously politics uh, and the process uh, within the political sector uh, is a fairly important part of hopefully making sure that politicians legislate in a way that means that you still have freedom to operate. Mm. And what kind of mindset do you think you're kind of bringing to that and bringing to government? Well, hopefully I'm bringing practical experience, um, mm. both from the amenity sector and also from you know previous uh, roles within the agricultural sector in that, you know, we have a world that we have to sustain. We've got a mm -hmm. population that is probably too big for the world the size it is. Uh, and we all want to have natural facilities and uh, biodiversity around us, but we don't actually live in a natural world. Uh, we live in a managed world and we have to actually be able to manage that world in a way that fulfills the requirements of stakeholders. Mm. If you had to say, what are some of your kind of biggest ambitions and goals? I think one of the biggest areas is to actually make sure that uh, both the requirements for stakeholders uh, and the requirements for users, uh, we can match them. Because particularly now within the amenity sector, you know, the, the, press, the last two years have shown how important open spaces are, how important yeah. the green spaces are. And uh, but it's also shown that actually we have to manage those and we have to invest in them. Yeah, they're not free. They don't come free, and they have to be managed in order to achieve what you want from that facility. The Immunity Forum has been quite involved in Defra's draft revised UK National Action Plan for the Sustainable Use of Use of Pesticides. A bit of a mouthful there. Yeah. Uh, but firstly, I suppose, what are your thoughts on the draft so far? Well, I think we're getting there slowly. Uh, I mean, it is it's frustrating in terms of the fact that, you know, I'd love to be able to actually talk to you about something that I can really comment on directly from that, because mm. obviously, as your listeners are aware, the National Action Plan has been delayed further. And, you know, we can't, I can't be specific about the elements. I can obviously be specific about what we, in terms of our stakeholders within the Amenity Forum, uh, would hope that uh, the National Action Plan brings. And what is it that you hope it will bring? Well, I hope it will actually bring uh, a little bit more uh, focus in certain certain areas, um, because if we are, and as all we, certainly all the members of the Amenity Forum, we want to actually make sure when we're looking at weed, pest and disease control, that we're working uh, in a way that is sustainable and in a way that actually uh, is right for society. And, you know, in order to do that, uh, actually government and society needs to invest in actually being able to do things in the best way. Um, mm. You know, as a, an entity, uh, if you want vegetation managed there's lots of different ways that we can manage that vegetation but there are more sustainable ways uh, 
to to do it, uh, which isn't necessarily put across uh, in a way that everybody understands. I've heard you speaking about a sustainability score when managing vegetation before. Can you kind of explain this and kind of explain what you're looking at when you do that? Yeah, I think the important thing is actually under, with sustainability is really getting your head around what does sustainability mean. Uh, mm. And there's a danger that any user group will jump upon one element of sustainability, uh, whereas actually it's a very complex set of different criteria that are combined to form what we call sustainability. Mm. It, it isn't that you can just say this is more sustainable than that. You have an awful lot of things that you need to build into that equation to work out what do you really mean by sustainable. And w- when you are looking at those, what kind of methods of uh, vegetation management do you look at and kind of areas of interest or, or what will be effective? I wonder if you can talk me through those. Yeah, I mean, you can start, if you like, with the, the manual. Uh, if you want, if you don't want weeds in a particular place, you can physically pull them up. Yeah. Um, you know, that has the effect of killing the weed. Mm. So generally, if w- whatever we're looking at, you're quite often actually wanting to kill something, uh, but it's the means by which that you actually kill it. Mm. Obviously, if you actually apply a load of heat to that weed, you will also kill it. So whether that heat comes from hot water or from from steam or from a flamethrower, you will also kill that weed. So by its very nature, if we're aiming to manage vegetation, inevitably it will have an impact uh, on biodiversity because there's good chance that whatever vegetation you're looking to control will actually be somebody else's food source. Mm -hmm. So you have to accept there are certain things. If society wants vegetation to be managed, then there are different techniques that we can use. And obviously, potentially, we could be using the chemical techniques for for managing vegetation. And very often, they are actually the most sustainable form when you take into account cost, environment, and uh, impact on society. Okay, so that's quite obviously quite a hot topic of debate uh, within the industry and within the public as well. Can you talk me through why exactly that kind of comes up as most sustainable? Yeah, uh, the elements that I would be looking at in terms of measuring sustainability uh, would obviously be efficacy, because if, if it doesn't work, then there isn't a lot of point doing it. So obviously, whatever you're wanting to do, uh, for that to be sustainable, it has to do the job. And it has, and you can measure the efficacy of an individual process, whether that be using water that is toxic to weeds, i.e. it's hot enough to actually scald them and kill them, or whether you use a chemical that will use a biochemical process to actually kill those weeds. So you can actually give them an efficacy score in terms of uh, what size of weed it will control, how long it takes to control, Uh, what spectrum of weeds that a product will control. Uh, And from that, you can can actually give a marking, if you like, to a a particular technique for the type of vegetation management that you're looking to achieve. (music) 
one of the things that's kind of been hitting the headlines that I've seen is um, the effect of or the potential effect of glyphosate on people uh, in the environment that it's being used, if that makes sense. Uh, where does that kind of score on um, this sustainability score and kind of what your opinions around that? Okay, well, ironically, what you're quoting uh, is something that would actually be disputed by science. Okay. Uh, if you look at the classification of glyphosate, glyphosate is non-hazardous. The soap that you wash your face with is hazardous because if you get soap in your eyes, it will damage the tissue of your eyes and it could make you go blind. Not that it would. It's unlikely, but it could. So actually a lot of what's talked about is misunderstanding of uh, risk, benefit, and actually the statements. So, you know, there are, you know, if you look at water, water when it's cool and it goes down the right hole will keep you alive. You heat water up, it suddenly becomes very dangerous and it can and it can burn you. So you need to look at everything in the right context and also in the right dose. Yeah, interesting. It's potentially sort of tabloids kind of headline yeah. hitting and, and yeah, interesting. Going back to biodiversity for a second as well, do yeah. you think, because I know you spoke about how if you're maintaining a space or if you're wanting to remove vegetation, you're essentially, you know, removing biodiversity. Is there a harmony to be found between the immunity sector and biodiversity or is it already happening? I think, to be fair to the sector, it already is. I mean, you mm. look at uh, look at golf courses, they are a real sanctuary for biodiversity. Yeah. And they can be managed in a way that can actually improve that. If you look at somewhere where you want to park cars, for instance, um, probably in order to maintain the surface, you don't want any vegetation there. But maybe around the outsides, uh, there are things that you can do to actually put vegetation in there that can be managed uh, cost-effectively that will actually increase biodiversity. And do you think the government needs to open their eyes up a bit more to this or do you think they're open already? I think, I suppose you say, to me, there's quite a big difference between government and politicians. Yes, yeah. Uh, I think government, if it's true to itself, understands the fact that actually, uh, you know, man has a huge impact on biodiversity uh, and there's an awful lot of uh, things that lead to some of the issues we have with biodiversity um, uh, but the difficulty comes obviously when it moves to the political bit is quite often politicians want to remain in power so they will sway one way or the other okay so kind of saying what people want to hear maybe a little bit yes uh or not necessarily hearing what they don't want to hear, if you see what I mean. What can us as an industry do to kind of, I guess, push this forward? I think the critical, the critical point, whether it comes not just in terms of with the general public, it is actually about education. That just because you read it on the internet doesn't mean it's true. Um, Generally, you know, you take a survey of the internet and, uh, you know, you can probably say what percentage of what you're reading there is actually true and what percentage is backed up by science. Mm. So certainly from my perspective, you know, as an environmental scientist, 
I like to be able to see the real science behind something and uh, and not the uh, the perhaps political science that uh, can be because you know science by its very nature the data that you're looking at it very much depends on how you interpret it as to what results you do that is what science is all about well that has been really interesting thank you so much for joining us today peter um my last question is a bit more of a fun one um i've had all sorts of answers for this so i'm really intrigued to hear your choice uh what plant would you take to a desert island i would take an avocado tree oh okay any explanation for that do you love avocados uh, i no i absolutely despise them <laughs> uh, mainly because uh, i did actually spell uh, spend a bit of time out in africa mm. and we had an avocado tree growing above the house that we lived in and it scared the living daylights out of me when it decided to drop most of its avocados <laughs> on the roof in the middle of the night. And I thought the house was being actually raided. Oh, my goodness. So a bit different, but uh, that's why it would be uh, be an avocado. Bring back some fond memories. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again, Peter. I'm Rachel Forsyth, and this has been the Horticulture Week podcast. Make sure you never miss one. Subscribe or follow Horticulture Week podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. If you are interested in producing a podcast with Horticulture Week, email us at hortweek at haymarket.com. Huge thank you again, Peter, and goodbye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.